0: Yo, yo. My guys. Guys, what's up? Yo, man. I'm so sorry. I booked it. I totally almost got tickets, bro. I was trying to do it, bro. It was bad. I'm here. What's up? I'm good. Life's been good. Training was great. Working on uh, triangles, you know. I have a bunch of different solo drills that I've kind of cultivated over the years, and I was showing them to the guys, and some of them were getting them and some of them weren't. But it was but it was it was fun. <laughs> it was fun good stuff
1: man how so we you just jump seeing? straight into it
0: yeah, yeah yeah i'm ready man how are y'all doing though tell me i see all kinds of good things
1: yeah there's a bit of a there's a bit of a, a lag between the audio and the video if um if but i don't there's not much we can do about it so
0: okay i'll talk slow
1: <laughs> uh, yeah we're all keeping good loads of busy stuff going on um I uh, just love loads of seminars the last few months.
2: <laughs> Should be
0: nice. He keeps fucking them in. They
2: keep coming. He keeps fucking them in. <laughs> Dude,
0: that's so cool. I mean, that's a great problem to have. You know what I'm saying? Like, of all kind of problems you could have, people not being able to stay out is a great thing, you know? What's really good is, um,
2: we were just chatting about it earlier, actually, uh, the reaction from pretty much everyone who comes into the academy, like, like world champions who have been around the block, they're all really impressed with like how he kind of looks and the feel of it. I think it's quite unique for a Gracie Byer kind of to look like this. And so I think we just get complacent with it, but for a lot of people, like on the guests like weekend, Magic and AJ and then Kendall, they're all like, Man, this is like a
0: proper it. No, it's it. It's it. And and it's funny, like when I talk to people, you know, because I Obviously, like I'm here, right in the Bay, where there's lots of cool schools and everything. And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to get to Leeds. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, but you're in the Bay, like, like what? I was like, listen, I was like, I, I can't explain to you, especially when I'm talking to people who don't know jujitsu. But even when I'm talking to people that do know jujitsu, I'm like, I can't explain to you what's happening in Leeds, but it's amazing. And like, that's all I know. And, and so. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the goal, you know what I'm saying? Like what's happening there is, 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 is unprecedented. You know what I'm saying? So um, I understand what they're experiencing, you know? I understand what they're experiencing. Very
2: cool. And so congratulations. Today, though, both again, guys. I mean, if you are coming over, when you do come over, bring a warm coat because even in April, we snow.
0: <laughs> I know, I was just talking with Karen. And she was like, oh, I, I gotta go get some fresh air, but it's snowing. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> I'ma show you, I'm gonna show you the pictures that I uh yesterday uh I went to um the beach after uh, a meeting I had here. Check these out, check these out, check these out. <laughs> Look, that was just that's when you when you check your phone. Like, you'll see, like, these great pictures of the beach. And, like, I was just chilling, eating sushi. And I'm like, got to soak this in. Because once I go across water, once I go across the
3: water. I'm trying to warm up. I
2: don't
3: know. <laughs> you know
2: what I'm saying? Oh, wow, man, dear. That was pretty cool. That is world class.
0: You know what I'm saying? That, like, that's 10 minutes from the house you know what I'm saying? So um I'm, I'm really making sure that I'm going out and taking pictures of everything that I'm going to miss when I, when I touch down. I'm
2: excited. And tell them. tell all, the, all the students who are obviously going to listen
0: to this because they're missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, I mean, like I'll leave this part out, but essentially now that the divorce is final, I can apply.
2: We're definitely up for it. We've got some plans in place. Hopefully Need
0: you here, you know, by end of summer, I did that stuff. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to be there in my head. If I can just, cause what I was thinking and you tell me what you think, like I'm trying to get things filed soon, but then I was just going to head out like, and just be there and you know what I mean? And you know, wait for that thing to kick in. You know what I mean? But like, that's, that, that was my plan. So like, if in my head I could be out of here by the end of June, at the latest, I would be happy. That's that's what. Yeah. I
2: mean, and then I think I mean, we'll talk about this, you know, offline. But we we close for two weeks in July, right? T and a few of the guys are off to the summer camp, the GB summer camp, in Portugal. Which cool. Is, um, and so when we come back from then, you know, I'm obviously this my stu- we, the students know this, but obviously I'm getting ready to do the ocean thing yeah. uh, a few months yeah. later. So soon you can get out at the back.
0: Today. Yeah, no, I know. So I'm just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to dip out as quickly and as quietly as possible. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm excited, bro. I've been training really good. I've I've really kind of like, uh, I've been focusing on my methodology. Like, what does it mean when I teach a move to anyone? You know what I mean? What does it mean? Like, what is my process? What are my warm ups? What are my cool downs? What are you know what I mean? What details are important when I'm showing Sweeps as opposed to subs and, you know, and then what details are important when I'm combining sweeps and subs, you know, like um, I've been teaching this concept that I kind of had for a while, but I don't think I verbalized it much was just, you know, I like to submit my way into sweeps and I like to sweep my way into subs. You know what I mean? So like subs not sub's not working, bam, you just got flipped. You know what I'm saying? The sweep's not working, bam, there goes your neck. Like, this is what I want, you know, to cultivate in all of my students. And so I have this one student who's like, I don't know, he's like 230. He's 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 kind of husky and wide, and he's he's really tough, purple belt. And um, he doesn't do open guard triangles, which is my, you know, I'll hit you with an open guard triangle like nothing. And so like <laughs> Um, uh, I was showing him how I set up, <laughs> I was showing him my setup and he was like, I never thought I could do this. Cause he's not, he's not long like me. And I was like, yeah, but you got to set up the posture breaking and the timing of when your hips align with where his shoulders will be. And so I was showing him how you could scoot in and get under and set up the shot. And like, he was hitting it today and he was like, Oh, this is cool. And like, when you help people really do things they weren't sure they could do that's just priceless it's priceless well that's what we're here to do isn't yeah. it right i think we're
2: here to um just push people's uh perceived boundaries just a little bit further on than, than, than where they currently are that's that's what we're all about whether that's yeah. technique whether that's the resilience piece the kind of confidence bit the, the community thing sense of fulfillment like that is what we're doing as coaches man. that is what gets us out of bed every day if you don't get out of bed every day, I put a little it was nice yesterday I was away doing something different um, in, for myself professionally and I felt yeah. a real sense of excitement this morning when I came back it was nice to step away from and do something different because I wanted to come back I was really excited this morning just to see my students again and to really kind of help yeah them. yeah. No, that's, that's beautiful man what don't
1: we, uh, we, we talk, what's the, what's the real topic today? Well, one of the uh, reasons we wanted to have you on, Professor, as, as, as I said, it was uh, we've got Ramadan uh, coming up soon. You've been in jiu-jitsu for a long time, so you've um, been through a few whilst also kind of being in the sport. And we just wondered if you yeah. could get some of your, like what were your advice and thoughts yeah, on, for sure. on all that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, uh had a lot of Ramadans as a grappler. And, um, you know, I think when, when you're younger, there's things you think you could and should be doing, but they're not really easy for, you know, the, uh, for the long run. And so sometimes people injure themselves, you know what I mean? During Ramadan, trying to get ready for when it's over, and I found really clean ways to like stay technically clean and stay athletic without breaking yourself, you know what I mean, in the process. And I think, I think that's it. And I also think that a big part of what you can do for yourself during Ramadan when you're fasting um, or anytime you're fasting is, is to look at your grappling beyond your sparring. You know, what are you reading about? What are you understanding about the history of grappling? What are you understanding about the styles that you like? What are the books from the, from the jujitsu masters that you appreciate? What are the philosophies that gave birth to what you love? And if you can embrace that, then you can come back from Ramadan way more enriched than if you just drilled an hour every day. You know what I mean? And so um, even the way that I drill positionally and stuff um, is very clean. It's very whatever. And so part of it has to do with maturity, right? Because like you'll get with your friends and you're like, oh, and then that turns into a sparring session. We're not here for sparring. We're here for, you know, clean drilling, nothing extreme. We're not breaking sweats. We're not, you know what I mean? And And then even the fact that you haven't rolled puts a fire in you so that when you brought Oh, I've been reading, you know, the Taoist Kundo and I've been reading Imam Al-Ghazali and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, now I'm really ready to roll. And the grappling you do is more enriched because you've enriched yourself, your head and your heart, in in very specific ways, you know, during Ramadan. Then and, and it helps a yeah. lot. So I got some books sitting aside here, and you know, some some health advice and stuff like that. So. Sorry, professor. So yeah, so uh, and this came
2: about because. Um, we wanted an authority on it. Obviously, we've got friends like Professor Khalil. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I know he adjusts his training like you do in a way through Ramadan and doesn't train as much or as intensive. But there's a student who basically said he was an a to me, oh, it's Ramadan coming soon, so I need to take a month off training. I was like, I don't think you need to take a month off training. Um, I'm, not, I'm not the authority on this. I'm not Muslim enough. But I know right. enough people who do and we can get you an authority, or certainly some experience to help you make that decision. So, what what are the? So you, you said there you make yeah. you focus on your your philosophy. You focus on the of your technique. So you spar less. Do you still train them?
0: <laughs> yeah, I still train. Um, I still train. I spar a lot less, right? Um, especially, especially at night. You know what I mean? Especially at night, like, because you're just tired. You know what I mean? You don't have any, any liquids in your system. You know what I mean? You're, you're kind of functioning uh, on kind of an autopilot and the fasting makes you internally quiet. So you're not even really looking for, you know what I mean? For that kind of, of contact. Right. So um, I started my solo drills on my own because Um, I wasn't always training as much as I like to. That's how it really started. And so I was like, okay, well, how can I practice passing guard by myself? Right. And how can I practice, you know, transitioning from side control and things like that. So even if you have like, like I, I always had like a heavy bag that wasn't hung. Right. Cause I wanted just like a body on the ground to kind of move around and stuff like that. So a lot of it just kind of dealt with like, Practicing side control, case of north south, step out of this opposite case, uh, reverse case of side control mount. You know what I mean? And these, are, I'm just moving slow, just making sure that I know where I am. You know, um, my instructor, uh, Alan Gumby Marcus, you know, he always says in the first day, like, the idea of jujitsu is like you can control your opponent and do all this cool stuff, but you can never control your opponent until you can control yourself. So that always inspired me to take responsibility for my movements on the mat, right? And not just like, I wonder what's gonna happen. No, I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm gonna grab your wrist, I'm gonna get this collar tie, right? I'm gonna step this way, you hit that ankle pick, land outside the garden, I'm gonna do this. But like, that can be a fantasy if you're not actively moving that way. Right? And so you can actually use Ramadan at your own pace, without a sense of ego, but really moving from a place of introspection, right? Really moving from a place of, you know, where is my hip? Where is my hand in my head? Is there body here or there? You know, do I have the flexibility to do this move? Maybe you don't. You can use Ramadan to work on yoga. You can use Ramadan to take Pilates and you know what I mean? And do low stress movements and, and and, and, and drills to not only bring your muscle memory up, but to bring your sense of personal clarity about your job from these positions, transitions, et cetera. There's a guy I used to watch called Jason Scully. He has a lot of uh, soul drills, but what I find with Scully, and this isn't like a critique of him, but like if you, if you look up Jason Scully, a lot of times you'll get like 35 arm drags in 10 minutes like I'm not sure that I need 35 arm drags today but if I could do one arm drag 300 times I got myself a plan you know what I mean and so um that's a big part of it is is yoga solo drilling responsibly right and even doing partner drilling but like at a very slow way like if I'm doing if I'm doing drills in the middle of the day, like, I mean, like, and uh, it's hard for me to describe, but I have different, I have different levels of drills, you know, some are very, you know, just positionally, right. Some have a rhythm to them, you know what I mean? So you can kind of find like pendulum, pendulum swing, you kind kind of understand things. And sometimes like I have like for the elevator sweep, I have this very specific drill that I call a rocking chair drill where you keep like half of a curl and you're you're looking for this cord of muscle to the right and left of your spine. Right. So because like that's what you're going to need. Once you get your hook in, you need to know where those cords are and how to find them so that once you're tra- trapping the arm and you start to tip them, you know where you're headed. So, you know, these kinds of things are crucial to me. Plus, I mean, um, they have that whole system. What is it? Gymnastica natural. You know what I mean? All these like animal type movements that Hixon and all those guys do, and a lot of that stuff's online, you know what I mean? So, I think as long as you're doing that responsibly, you're going to be fine. So um, what, what I think another part, um, what I'm
2: hearing, sorry to interject now, what I'm hearing is you could see Ramadan as an opportunity, right? To, to do something to benefit your jiu jitsu that you're probably not going to do for the remainder of the year because you are spiraling, you are trading hard. So, I think. I mean, we're absolutely respectful of the fact that everyone's got their their, their own thing going on, their own priorities. So, what I would say to our students is, like, you know, still come to class. You could watch a class. You could join the real absolutely. The you you could even do the drills without the specific training, man. If you could just lower energy, that's absolutely fun.
0: Well, what I used to do back in the day during Ramadan when I was when I was at Charles's is, I would come in. I would not do the warm up. You know what I mean? I would not do the warm up. I would stretch on my own while everybody else does the warm up. When uh, Professor Charles starts showing techniques, I'm there. I do all of the uh, positional work. When it's time to spar, I'm sitting out. Guard pass drills, I'm sitting out. You know what I mean? And then when everybody's done rolling afterwards, hey, can we go over that? You know, uh, can we go over that sweep again? And I'll go over the sweep a few more times. And then I'm out. You know what I mean? Um, What I'll also suggest for um, anybody who's fasting is, because everybody, I mean, like, I'm kind of a rogue nutrition guy. And one of the things that I stumbled across in the last year was a stuff called sea moss gel, which is um, basically it's like seaweed stuff they find, you rinse it off, you know, and then you put it in a blender with water and then it turns into a gel. Well, this gel, two tablespoons of it, have 92% of the vitamins and minerals that you need in a day, two tablespoons. So, what I'm also going to suggest is that in the morning, as part of your morning meal before the sun rises, get some moss gel, take two tablespoons, and get your hydration on because then you'll know that you have the nutrients that you need, right? Even if you feel weak or you don't feel 100% because you haven't been drinking, you'll know that you have nutrients in your system. Right. And one of the main ways that I've seen people injure themselves during Ramadan isn't just that they're rolling, they're rolling with nothing in their tank physically. You know what I mean? And that's, that's just not good for you. And then you just break yourself down. You injure yourself in some way. Right. And now you're like, oh man, I got to chill out. So then you can't fast for a few days. Now you got days to make up and it turns into a whole downward spiral. So like be intentional on um, what you're eating and drinking in the morning, like CMOS gel is important. Another thing that I found was a study that asked that, the question was, does green tea help you lose weight faster than oolong tea, right? These are two teas that people use to kind of lose weight. Oh, I'm just, I'm on the green tea diet, I'm on the oolong tea. Right, so there was a study done, like which one helps you lose weight faster. And the one that helps you lose weight is actually the combination is mixing oolong with green. So like when I'm trying to lean out, I'll drink more oolong green mixes. Um, and I'm also, I mean, I don't know if you guys have them out there that often, but I'm a papaya eater because pie helps eat fat and, and reset the digestive system. I also am someone who's really into like gut biome hacking. So I'm eating sauerkraut. I'm eating like pickled beets. I'm eating like all kinds of different uh, pre and probiotic mixes so that my digestive tract is in place. So people could consider in the morning just having half of a pickle. So those those things are in your stomach, waiting for when you do break fast to help your body digest it easier, faster, more completely distribute the nutrients. I'm juicing fanatic as most people know. So in the morning I have my sea moss with like fresh juice. So I've got my vitamin C, I've got my minerals, I've got, you know what I mean? uh fresh ginger lemon all that stuff is in my system so that when i break my fast my body is able to receive you know uh whatever i eat better
2: this is this is this is uh, this is why fresh release looks 25 <laughs> yeah. <he's>
3: like <laughs> dude is, and this dude, is why I when exactly 25
2: because if <laughs> he doesn't sleep enough, he sits up all night with AJ and Magic drinking whiskey.
0: <laughs> Soon you will discover the beauty of sea moss. Right? Like, later in life, you'll be doing sea shots next to me. <laughs> <I'll be> like, <laughs> Uh, oh, Professor, okay. I
1: was going to ask, I can, prefer, uh, to this whole topic from the, probably the, the biggest place of naivety, but yeah. has you found, do you think for you personally, does training jiu-jitsu uh, benefit your, or enhance your journey kind of through Ramadan?
0: Oh man, year. you know what, I'll, I'll tell you what a lot of people probably don't know, even inside of Islam, a lot of people don't know it, but like grappling is a tradition inside Islam like a huge tradition, right? And so um, when I first started jujitsu, I I didn't know that and I learned it later, right? And um, um, I'm not gonna get too much into Islamic theology but like you have what's in the Quran and then you have the actions that the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him made and th- that's called the Sunnah. That's where you get the word Sunni Muslims, Right. That means that those are people who are looking at what the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, did. And then they're going to want to do that. Right. So like uh, a Sunni Muslim, if he sees that, oh, the Prophet Muhammad was a fan of eating watermelon, then they will want to eat more watermelon. Right. Or he didn't like garlic. So they will not want as much garlic. Right. Even if it's not an impermissible thing. Prophet Muhammad didn't say don't eat garlic, but he didn't. So people will tend to not eat garlic. Right, Grappling has this kind of tradition uh, in, in Islam. And so um, even I found, um, um, cause I'm a academic nerd of high, high order. I looked into some apocryphal text myself and I found in the apocryphal text of the Bible, there's a book called the Book of Hermas, which um, theologically not saying it's a valid or invalid text, just saying that the text exists. And in that text, it's a conversation between the angel Gabriel and a man named Hermes, and there are all these different things that they talk about. It's very interesting. But one of the things that, if I remember correctly, that Gabriel tells Hermes is he says, um, um, "The devil can wrestle, but cannot throw the believer in God." And I thought that was such a profound thing when I found it. And then when you look in Islam, there's. Iranian wrestling. They have this uh, tradition called the Zirkana. I probably said that wrong, so any Persian people don't hate me. Uh, But it's basically called Houses of Wisdom, where people would wrestle. And there was actual, like, poetry between rounds and all this other stuff. Like, it's a real, you know, it's a deep culture. You know, the Abu Dhabi Combat Club is kind of in the spirit of that tradition, right? Where, you know, like, how do you end up with ADCC? Because they know the tradition of grappling. Islam, And he wanted to, after discovering Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, wanted to elevate the global scale of all grappling and has done that in an unprecedented way. The thing that I found is that grappling improved my faith because it really, it really touched the need for patience, right? Things aren't always going to go the way that you think. It, 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 it keeps you realistic as a human being and um, uh, a more proactive peacemaker because the first thing you learn in jujitsu is what? Size don't mean nothing, right? The way people look doesn't mean anything. There are very dangerous people who you 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 don't see that on the surface. But through grappling, exchanging this energy with other uh, human beings of other faiths, backgrounds, body types, whatever, you start learning Kind of, there's a quiet transference of, of, of acknowledging mutual humanity, right? Like, no matter what your race, no matter what your faith or lack of whatever, when you grapple with somebody, whatever their political affiliations or whatever, you walk away with a higher appreciation for them. It doesn't matter that you do or don't agree politically, socially, racially, religiously, whatever. And that carries uh, weight off the mat, you know? So, there's things about patience. There's things about compassion, Um, like, for instance, um, in Islam, uh, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that, you know, you shouldn't strike another man in the face because every man's face uh, reflects God. Because in Islam, you know, man was made in the image of God. So you're not supposed to hit people in the face. So then that says, well, then, you know, to a, a Westerner, specifically Americans, well, then how am I supposed to win a match? You win a match through grappling. You can, you can defeat someone without striking them at all through grappling and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is the highest apex of that technical understanding. Not only because, so there's like an inherent mercy in grappling, right? So like uh, Muslims always refer to God as being merciful and beneficent, right? But then where is the mercy that I show as a human being to other people? You might find a way like, cause people think when they come into Jiu Jitsu, they're usually thinking about themselves right? Like, oh, I got to defend myself. I got to defend my family or my friends. And that's probably very real. But sometimes, and I've said this before, you're just shutting down the drunk uncle at the holiday party. Sometimes you're just trying to stop a family member from harming another family member or harming themselves. And in those cases, punches have no place. Um, There was a guy, uh, my father was reminding me the other day, there was a guy that came out here many years ago Um, got into a fender bender like days after he got out of college, punched the guy perfectly, broke his neck and killed him, went straight from college to prison for a long time off one punch based off of a fender bender. If your instincts are not to do that, but to grapple, things get safer quicker. I think um,
2: think most, I I learned this when I was doing my previous job. We used to have to do... A lot of kind of like situational awareness training because we're in environments which are inherently risky. And mm-hmm. had we been kind of figured out who we were, what we were doing, we would have been in trouble. And um, unless you're you exposed to violence at a very young age, and I mean abuse or mm-hmm. parents fighting, and I mean violence, like not just arguing, like I mean people punching each other, you know, hurting mm-hmm. each other. Unless you're exposed to that at a very, very young age it's very difficult to be violent. So uh, mm. just not a natural thing for us to do as humans. Like, you know, you get into an location with someone, it's quite hard to whack them as hard as you possibly can in the nose. That's quite hard to do because we all know it's wrong. And that's another human. Like, for good people, we know that's wrong. So jiu-jitsu gives you the ultimate tool of violence without feeling like you're being violent. Because you can strangle someone to death but it's the gentle art, right? It's jujitsu. Yeah. There's no, you're not hurting anyone. You just put them to sleep for a little while. They might not never wake up, but you put them to sleep for a little bit, and that that's really powerful, isn't
0: it? Yeah. No, there is there's 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 a huge power in that, and um, I think I told the story before, but uh the first student I had that was a woman, um, she used to have little different family issues, and sometimes her sister and her mom used to get into it. And there would be, you know, physical fights. And so I was like, well, you don't have to fight your sister. You could just like pin her. And she's like, what do you mean? So I showed her the mount and just how to maintain it. I'm like, so next time your sister trips out, that's all you do. So then one day she comes and she's like, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. I was like, what happened? She's like, there was a whole fight. Blah, blah, blah. I said, hey, leave mom alone, blah, blah. So then I said, what happened? She goes, well, she came up to me and I, I tackled her. And I said, but when you're on top, tell her you don't want to fight her. Like, say, I don't want to fight you say it over and over again and she won't hear you but eventually she will and she goes she said what happened she's i did what you said i closed the distance i pulled it down we fell i got on top and i just stayed i said i don't want to fight i don't want to fight And she was like get off me i'm gonna kill you ah and i said and then what happened and then she was like she went i'm tired and she was like are we done and she was like we're done and then we just both bought up and everybody was chill and i was like that's jujitsu man i was
2: saying the same this morning in the one class we're doing like the classic kind of headlock escape and then arm behind the back and sitting down and I was saying, like, what we should be trying to do in any situation like this is give ourselves the opportunity to have a negotiation with this person on uh, multiple times, like exactly that. So we can get close to the rear, don't need to be loud, we've got right. the arm around, shoulder not around right. the neck and we can say to them, I don't want any trouble. You know, let's have a that you should leave me alone. And then if you don't, then you escalate, you sit down in the ass. It's like, listen, man, I really don't want to hurt you, but, you know, you leave you yeah. put an option here. And we just agree that we'll just leave me alone. And then, then we're good. You've got to give people multiple options, right? Multiple times. You do. Um, I think it's very important. You do.
0: You know, and then um, good Ramadan reading is this, this book right here called Purification of the Heart. Okay. So this is by Hamza Yusuf. He's one of the founders of Zaytuna College, where I was teaching jiu-jitsu at. And this is a book about uh, the spiritual diseases of the heart and how you get rid of them. So then, like, how do you get rid of miserliness? Right. How do you get rid of anger? How do you get rid of jealousy? Like these kinds of things are important for especially like young Muslim men are important for young Muslim men to know right so they can check themselves right and if you're grappling especially in an art like Jiu Jitsu which is fantastic because you know um, in America and I think it, it, probably in Europe as well like coming out of like I'm 52 so like in the late 70s and early 80s like every Martial arts teacher was also like some great, like Zen dude, like, like, you know what I mean? Like it always came like, yeah, you you can do all this cool punching and kicking, but then we're just going to meditate. We're going to whatever. So in America, at least we kind of expect that you're going to be that way. But what's interesting about jujitsu is that it's actually not that way, like super not that way. The guy who has a black belt may or may not be actually a nice person, a good philosopher, a moral human being. They should be, but they may not. And so Um, we have to find our own way in jujitsu. What is our own personal philosophy, our own kind of like moral North stars, whether or not we have a faith or not. And so I find that, you know, um, especially during months like Ramadan, you can read Purification of Heart, you can read like Bruce Lee's Dao of Jeet Kune Do, you can read these things, the the, um, works by Machiavelli, The Art of Peace and The Art of War. Take time to think more about this path that you're walking on from a philosophical perspective so that you're not just a meathead who can like strangle someone or a meathead who can slam someone. You wanna be a contributor to the society that you're in. You wanna be an enricher of the community that you're in. You know, like the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, he said, you know, a Muslim is someone with whom the people are safe. So when you come in the room, People shouldn't be like, oh, where's my cell phone man? I gotta tuck my chain, this dude's tripping out. Like when you come in the room, they should know nothing's gonna happen because they're here and they don't mess with people, but they don't let nobody mess with people, right? So like how do you cultivate that side of yourself as a grappler um, during Ramadan, that should be part of your goal, not to just be technically better, but to be morally and, 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 and mentally and spiritually in tune uh, and able to enrich others. <laughs>
1: I, I want to speak to Professor Bess- This about some Bruce Lee thing, but you, you need to
2: shoot. I don't have you? to go. So for yeah, me, I'm going go because it's my, uh, my eldest son's birthday meal. So um, I'm going to go and, and do that. Um, mate, so I'll leave you in the capable hands of um, Young Turnham. Teach him the way, please. Yes, I, I need some he's, good role models. He's, he's, a rogue, he's a rogue soul, and I can't control him. I can't be around too often. And this guy, when I'm not around, he's sitting up all night with AJ and Magic drinking whiskey,
0: Bonfire. making content for the Man. academy, you know, working hard. <laughs> well, I will. I will do my best. I will do my best. And when, oh, when I arrive, God. we'll Thank have you. some yo. I have some music, Listen, but yo, happy birthday! Happy birthday to your son, man, and have fun! Thank you, man. and um, and have a, a
2: wonderful, a um, uh, wonderful Ramadan. And thank you for your insights and wisdom. I think it's it's really important that our students, um, and our members, and just people listening to what we do um, know that we absolutely fundamentally are supportive of absolutely every faith uh, and yeah. every um, position. Um, uh, and we just wanted to show that. We wanted to give uh, people listening a real insight uh, into what they might be able to do to continue their journey. I think we've done that. Mate. So
0: thank you. Get on with that
2: application.
0: Because Ooh, I'm you know, on it, here. homie. You have no idea. On the case, boy. On the case. You know what, what right, saying? I'm saying? I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready to go. I can't wait Thank to see you. Man. Man. All right. Keep your moment straight and narrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs>
1: uh, Professor, before we move on, was there any closing thoughts you wanted to give on the oh, to
2: Ramadan?
0: Yeah, you know what I was going to say? In terms of other books that I recommend, I, I recommend uh, The Book of Assistance by Al Haddad, uh, as well as for all of my graphics. Friends, washa sabers of paradise. This is a book by Leslie Branch. You know who turned me on to this? Stefan Zoll, the redheaded tyrant who is just just worm guarding people into oblivion. (laughs) He was he, yeah, dude. He taught me about this book, which is basically about the history of the region where Habib comes from. It's super academic but it's a beautiful piece of work and you really get a sense of the mindset of the Dagestani grapplers and the spiritual root of, of, of so much that, they, that they do. You know what I'm saying? Um, at some Stephen's point when amazing. you're over here, uh,
1: when you're over here at some point, we're going to have to have some super philosophy podcast with you and Stefan.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. I can't Fair wait. Though. Cause he totally blew my mind with this. Actually, I love this book and I'm actually giving it to uh, my, my friend, uh, Imam Dawood Yassin. I'm going to give this him, him this copy uh, when I see him, hopefully, during Ramadan. But I mean, like, there's a lot of things that you can uh, read. This is uh, Imam Al-Ghazali, who's a legendary philosopher uh, about eating, matters related to eating. And so, you know what I mean? There's things that you can study while, while you're grappling, things to improve um, your spiritual heart um, as, you, as you build your body.
1: Amazing, man. Thanks so much for all that. We'll try to get those linked into the uh, description of this podcast as well for people to to pick up. So um, tell me what this uh, Bruce Lee thing you messaged me about was. What's going on?
0: So I got lucky. The short version is this is what happens when you do good things for no reason. What I mean is doing good things without expectation, right? Like um, it's better that we do a good thing right? I mean, no matter what it is, if you're doing a good thing, it's, 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 that's good. But when you do them without expectation, unexpected things come down the line. So when I started Hip Hop Chess Federation, which doesn't exist anymore, but it ran from like 2006 to like 2018, um, you know, we did a lot of events. It's a lot of school events, you know, Wu-Tang Clan, you know, all these dudes would come out, we do these chess tournaments, you know, Danny Prokopo's Would come out with Gumby and do grappling, you know, uh, things. It was crazy, right? And it was really fun. Well, one of the guys who used to attend was this young uh, rap dude and beat maker named Seti X. And he's a Punjabi cat, uh, originally from, I think, the LA area, who moved up here for college. And we just kind of hit it off. But he was young. He was like 17. Like, I think he just got out of high school. You know what I'm saying? So, Anytime we would see each other, it was all love. It was all good. He was a real part of the hip hop scene in the Bay, um, but we weren't always in contact. But every time we saw each other, it was good. So the Chinese Historical Society in in, in in Chinatown, in San Francisco, is doing an exhibit on Bruce Lee and his impact on the world, which you know is even more kind of explosive right now. Um, and Uh, They teamed up with the African-American Cultural Complex, which is in a very historic area of San Francisco called the Fillmore District, which used to be a big jazz area. It used to be known as like the Harlem of San Francisco. That's where all the jazz clubs and everything's were. And so because of a lot of the um, violence that's been happening in, in, in North America, where you have a lot of black people attacking like Asian elders and stuff like that, and like all these bizarre, violent uh altercations on trains and stuff and it'd be in philly or la be in new york and it's very horrible and so um they were trying to figure out a way to bridge the gap but you know uh and create some healing between blacks and asians and so they were like what if we added a video component to um this exhibit and so they went to my boy seti and Seti was like i know who i need to talk to i need to talk to adisa so he called me he's like hey i want to interview you about bruce lee and you know, his impact on black America and you know, wh- reasons and ways in which we can heal and build bridges between black and Asian people. I was like, yo, this is perfect for me. Cause like I've been sitting on the Daoji Kundo forever. Look at this, look at this. All people talk about Bruce Lee didn't do grappling or didn't know grappling. You can't really see that on the screen. There's clock chokes in there. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's Osoto Gari in there. Like he knew what was up with grappling and he didn't have a problem with grappling. And so um, I was like, yo, that's fine. Why don't you come uh, interview me? Because he was like, first we could do it in San Francisco or we could do it somewhere else. And I was like, um, come to the jujitsu battle in Palo Alto, which was ran by my homie Al. And I said, I have a student from Half Gracie Berkeley who's going to compete that day. I'm a corner room." So he came, interviewed me there. Then uh, my student, Muhammad Saifullah competed and, uh, he got gold and it was really cool. And so, uh, that's all going to be part of the exhibit, which opens on April 24th in San Francisco. Uh, so I'll be posting more about that soon. And, uh, a lot of my other friends from the hip hop community will be a part of that video. Like there's an old, um, There's an old uh, clip apparently going to be in there of Dream. If you're in the Bay Area and you know graffiti, you know Dream is one of uh, our favorite people. And unfortunately, he was murdered uh, many years ago in a very cowardly way. And um, apparently someone found a video of him, I think after having done a portrait of Bruce Lee. And he's talking about Bruce Lee's impact on hip hop. And it's old, you know, so that's going to be a part in there. My stuff will be in there. You probably see a few clips of Muhammad Saifullah competing and... You know, it's just it's just a really good thing, man. I mean, like, you know, again, coming from the generation that I came from, you always expected philosophy to come with your martial arts. And Bruce Lee's work was so impactful in my life, um, you know, because I was I was reading the Dao Ji kun Do when I first started grappling just to get closer to a philosophy. You know, I always felt that jujitsu was more akin to a fighting style more than a martial art because for me philosophy is the differentiator between a martial art and a, and a fighting style and at first it used to really bother me that jiu-jitsu didn't have a philosophy but what I realized over time was that's where the beauty is also because as I came into stoic philosophy and starting to practice stoicism and as I started looking deeper into sufism which is like a a philosophical branch of Islam and all of the commonalities between Sufism and Stoicism, which are ridiculous and expansive and that's a whole podcast in itself. But like those things help me understand that, you know, the philosophy of jujitsu should in time reveal itself to the practitioner, that there doesn't have to be a dogmatic philosophy. Like we are Stoics, right? Or we are pre-Socratics or we're Epicureans, right? Or whatever, right? The philosophy of jiu-jitsu will reveal itself to you as you walk the path. And that is something that will require no dogma. And it's also going to be something that no one can take from you.
1: Mm. It becomes almost like a self-refinement in that same way that Bruce Lee talked about. It's, you know, not adding things, but the taking away that you uh, that you find the um, I'm gonna butcher the quote even if I try it, but uh, no, it's a personal philosophy fine. that you'll know. find,
0: yeah. yeah. You know, and I have to say, like, I don't know if you've come across this guy because I knew he existed, but I hadn't come across the book myself until about a month ago. But it's called uh, 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 Five Rules for Every White Belt. Yo, listen to me by Chris Matakas with a K. Everyone listening to me, go get five rules. For Every White Belt by Chris Matakas, and he wrote a second book called On Jiu Jitsu. To all of the Muslims listening and all the non-Muslims listening, those two books are mandatory reading. For me, I tell every student I have, Five Rules for Every White Belt and On Jiu It's such a quick and clean, mature look at why you do what you do, you know, and the benefits of it beyond what you experience in the rolling. Right, It's fantastic. Chris Matakis is a genius. I reached out to him. I hope to interview him soon, but he's amazing, man. So those are the kinds of things that I think help people find their individual philosophies as they, as they roll. So it doesn't matter that I'm Muslim and she's an atheist. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? That, that he's Catholic or Jewish or Buddhist or whatever or Stoic. Right? Like jujitsu will enrich us all the same way in transcendent methods, in transcendent methods. So our dogmas don't have to clash and we can appreciate each other as we are in real time on the mat or in life.
1: That's awesome, Matt. I think I've heard you talk about this a little bit before this question. Um, I can't remember when, which podcast it was on, but do you, do you was Bruce Lee, going back, rewind on a minute, Uh, as empowering for the black community as as it was for the asian community during kind of his time
0: yeah so what i found was that he was equally uh bruce lee was equally enriching to blacks whites and asians at the same time but i think for slightly different reasons for the asian community um what he was doing was redefining a modern manhood for them after specifically like chinese men after you know uh coming out of um you know the opium wars and you know all of the problems that that the chinese endured in world war 1 you know what i'm saying and so there was this idea um they used to call Chinese men, like I think the sick man of Asia, right? Like there was something wrong with Chinese men. There was something lacking in Chinese men. And by Bruce Lee stepping forward with the Daoji Kun Do and being so um, dynamic and explosive, he reaffirmed a new Chinese manhood, but really it wasn't a manhood that didn't exist. It's just that mainstream America and the West didn't know it, right? So there was enrichment from that. I've heard people improperly suggest that like Bruce Lee gave Chinese men nuts, right? And like, that's an improper statement because it implies that Chinese men weren't men before Bruce. They were, Mm -hmm. they are now, they always will be. And so he enriched them in in a similar way that like Muhammad Ali would have inspired black people, you know what I mean? To be, you know, to be fit, et cetera. I think for black and white America, uh, at the time, what 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 we were receiving was a philosophy beyond the Judeo-Christian norms that we knew, right? Taoism, what is that? Buddhism, what is that? Meditation, what is that, right? And that opened a door to black and white minds about ideas outside of the American construct of faith, of the American construct of self-defense, Right. Even the idea that, like, I have all these weapons, but I I don't want to use them it was very alien, I think, to the American, you know, psyche. And so for also for black people, for 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 black men and women specifically coming out of the ripple effect of the civil rights era and Jim Crow and still dealing with the generational trauma of the transatlantic slave trade, like a lot of the warrior ideas that black men had and women had they were erased right through slavery and through you know what i mean these generational you know separations of family you don't know where you're from you're black but what country you're from i don't know you know what i mean like that creates a lot of psychological baggage but more more than that you don't have a sense of even when you want to defend yourself and know you should you don't know how so bruce was providing black people with a way to get back in tune with war. Traditions, um, eat better like the vegan things that there's so many Black people right now in at least America that are really on the vegan kick, right? But a lot of that came from the kung fu films. It came from Thirty Six Chambers. It came from Bruce Lee. It came from Jackie Chan. It came from Jet Li. Um, Bruce's impact on um, on Black men, you know, realigning their sense of 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 righteous self defense right um and community upliftment uh, it was huge it was huge so for me as as a, as a as a black american um martial artist you know like i feel a debt to him every day i mean literally every day like i think about him almost every day at some point in my training or when i'm preparing to train. uh, When I'm thinking about what I should or shouldn't say or do or not do, I think about how, you know, one of the reasons um, he got in so much trouble culturally was because he was willing to teach blacks and whites how to fight. And there were a lot of Chinese people that were like, what are you doing? What do you know? That's ours. We got to keep it in house. And he was like, no, it's for everyone, you know, and, and he caught a lot of flack for that. Mm. you know what i mean um how he embraced muhammad ali's fighting style and things like that so these these things helped you know a lot yeah.
1: you touched on a, a little uh, points few you made a couple times there and that kind of the rite of passage kind of thing i think it's interesting that you could look at you know if you look at a lot of tribal cultures you know separated by in an entire you know world you know maasai tribe in africa right, 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 or right. tribes in the south americas um mm-hmm. Oftentimes they'll have like a rite of passage into kind of manhood that involves some kind of uh, adversity, combat, p- pain in some some way. But here in like the Western world, in Europe in, in the North America, uh, there's, we don't really have that. And it seems like what you were saying there is like Bruce Lee almost reintroduced that to us and let us kind of rediscover it in our own. It's like embedded in our own primal humanity. And we've kind of rediscovered
0: it through martial arts. Dude, that is a great way of looking at it. That is supremely accurate. And as you were saying it, what was hitting me, right. was because like, you know, you don't get your blue belt till you're like 16. You know what I mean? And that's like a big deal. Mm. Like, even if, even if, even if um, they're sick already, you know what I mean? They got their green belt or their orange belt or whatever. Like, when, when, when they get their blue that's a big deal and I was just thinking to myself yo what if what if we started using the blue belt itself as a, as a rite of passage towards manhood right because it's a big responsibility to be a blue belt right yeah. because now all of a sudden it's not just that you like martial arts or whatever but you have a, a spectrum of skill sets that are actually, deadly under certain circumstances and it's not just that you have them that's important it's that you have the internal mental and like philosophical heart wisdom to know when they should be used and to know when they should not be used and understand that right you know so much of what makes you like because as you know i'm a big fan of chess and, and chess philosophy and stuff and to me you know, the things that define a king and a queen aren't really what they do, it's what they don't do. There are things that kings don't do, there's things that queens don't do, because we're up here, we don't, you know, we don't talk like that, we don't move like that, we don't dress like that, right, because we're kings and queens, and I think that part of what jiu gives you is The ability to find and discover the kings and queens within your own selves and defend them and live as you see fit, you know what I mean. So if we could bring the blue belt, add a little extra deliberate messaging to it, but turn that into a rite of passage, I think we can change a lot and help um, shake off what I see as a lot of arrested development, you know. We have a lot of arrested development, I think, in American and 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 in UK teens. You know what I mean? I see it a lot. You know what I mean in the UK as well, right? That if we can, if we can, their personal potential, they won't want what's in the streets because they'll know what's in their heart and in their mind is much better. But they don't trust that right now, so they want to be, you know, the top boy, <laughs> which is my favorite show right now on Netflix.
1: <laughs> yeah then it goes back to all the kind of hierarchical uh, structures that you have in martial arts and you kind of uh, know your place and in knowing your place you kind of are more content with who you are and, and where, you're, where you're at whether when as opposed to if you're just kind of out there in the world you're like who am I Like, and you're waiting for someone else to tell you you want to you want a t-shirt to tell you who you are or something you know
0: exactly you know and it's and it's troubling like i mean like i can't front like i'm like i said i i'm, I'm 52 but but i can't imagine how hard it would be to be a teenager right now right you got mm. pandemics political and social upheaval all kinds of messages streaming across the internet all day all hours of the day so how yeah. can you know right who you are how can you know what <laughs> what you're supposed to be how can cool. you know <laughs> Right jump direct. on,
1: yeah, we're yeah, live, uh, yeah. We're live. Come, come on. No, right now, no. What? Professor Stefan's here. Lisa. Yeah. Uh, there's no train tonight.
0: Professor. Hey, hey. hey. A- I was just yeah. talking. About-
3: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah. Cut me out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I just got the schedule wrong. I came to train, man, but uh there's no class. Bro,
0: there. I was just showing. I was just telling them <laughs> how you gave me this book. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. The same as I was just telling
0: how you gave me this book.
3: Did you read it yeah. yet? Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 I love Amazing. it. But I'm giving it to Amanda Daoud later this month.
3: Yeah, man. It was it was a masterpiece, to be honest. So, such an interesting piece of work, you know, very well researched, and you just can't find that type of uh, scholarship uh, these days amongst kind of Western academics. So, it was, it was a great piece. No.
1: Yeah, we we've just had an no, one We I, were helping uh, for. Sorry, the line's a bit bad today, but uh, just to uh, give some advice for people training around uh, Ramadan.
0: Okay. Do you, what, yeah. what do you think? Uh, what do you think is important it, for <laughs> yes. people yes, yes. Who, are, who are fasting? Yeah, let's do that one. Uh,
3: what do I think? Well, the, the thing is it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting because obviously having been Saudi now for all of this time, you, seeing how they do Ramadan, it's the, the whole culture shifts or the whole kind of social fabric shifts towards Ramadan' schedule. you know work hours are cut short. Uh, people will often they, for example, schools are, are canceled during Ramadan. So its very it means the society can orientate itself towards the fasting. So I was teaching after the Tarawi prayers. So the, the latest, this is the latest part of the day. So I would, I'd be teaching classes sometimes 11 p.m. Wow. Yeah. Even though you there know, some classes later, like into one, 1 a.m. You'd find classes. And, and
1: people would show up for these though. I okay. feel like yeah, so. Oh,
3: wow. Because basically they would flip their day. A lot of, a lot of yeah. people would sleep until the early afternoon and right. they'd maybe fast. So they end up actually only fasting for maybe four five, six hours, um, Mm-hmm. And then, and then break the fast and um, train later on in the evening. But obviously, that's just not very realistic for people living in the Western world. <laughs> well, um, so it, it's definitely a tricky right. task.
0: Right. It's funny you mentioned that because I was just saying earlier, I just saw a video of Habib, and he was saying that he would train, like if he was doing weights, he would do weights and stuff before Suhur, before the morning meal, right? And then he would train like cardio and stuff like an hour or an hour and a half before iftar. You know what I'm right. saying? Before the evening meal. So um uh I'm not ready to do all of that. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna be like slowing down, doing drills, positional movements, and and keeping it light, but but still out there. But I'm not rolling though. I'm I'm not sparring. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Especially at night because I just I don't have the recovery. Like, if I yeah, spar, yeah. it'll be a cool spar. But next day, I'm wrecked. Wrecked. When are you going to yeah. show me warm guard? Say again? When are you going to show me worm guard? I need worm guard help, man. When are you going to help me out?
3: Let's help. go, man. You your legs would destroy guys, man. <laughs> this this worm guard. This game for you, brother. Let's go. I can't wait! <laughs> Let's do it, man. Was,
1: well, we're going to cut the podcast I here anyway. can't wait! Uh, Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you uh, so uh, much for popping in, Professor Stefan,
0: and um, see you guys soon. All right. Thank you Thank so you, much. Man. Always appreciate you. Anybody hit me up at Bishop Chronicles on IG or TikTok, and we can go over some stuff. All right. Awesome. Thanks. See you soon, Professor. See right. ya.